This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. It's a very intriguing day on the Mark Madden Podcast here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Brooks Kepka won the PGA tournament, the major championship, so L-I-V, L-I-V. The newest and penultimate episode of Succession on HBO was one of the very best TV shows ever. It felt important. The Pirates lost a Keller start. That's not good. And the GM, the Penguins, should one, is available. Kyle Dubas, just ex of Toronto, but uh, if I were him, I wouldn't want the job. Like I said, very intriguing day here on the Mark Madden podcast. Uh, Let me lead off with my uh, top three list. These are the top three performers in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. In other words, the MVP front runner, the Consmite Trophy. Number three, Jack Eichel, uh, the center for Vegas. He's tied for Vegas's scoring lead. He seems to be Vegas's driving force. And he was the biggest reason they beat Edmonton in the second round. Of course, he and Connor McJesus were drafted uh, 1-2 in 2015, uh, the same draft. So he he seemed to really pick up a lot of momentum from that. It's the most determined I've seen Jack Eichel, who, let's be honest, has had a checkered career up till now. Number two, uh, Florida goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, He's the only goaltender in these playoffs playing consistently up to his pedigree, or rather, what used to be his pedigree. Because Bob ain't been this good in a number of years, but he's this good right now. And number one, it's got to be Matthew Kachuk, uh, who has uh, seven goals and 11 assists in 14 games for Florida. But he's got two straight overtime winners in the conference final against Carolina. Uh, There's a shirt out now that says, Kachuk around and find out. Now, they're assuming it's mispronounced Kachuk around and find out, unless, of course, I'm mispronouncing it, which would mean I've mispronounced his dad's name wrong for all these years, but that's still an okay T-shirt. Uh, it looks like a Florida-Vegas Stanley Cup final. Uh, each of those teams up two games to none in their conference final. Not exactly a battle of the brand names. And the thing, Florida beat out the Penguins by only one point for the final wild card spot. So where Florida's at right now, Two wins away from the Stanley Cup final. That could be the Penguins. He said with sarcasm just oozing out of every pore because it wouldn't be. And uh, one disclaimer, these series could turn around uh, in a hurry because every game so far, West End East decided in overtime. Uh, we're, we're joined now by uh, my co-host, Tom Offerman. Tom, uh, uh, your take on the Penguin GM search. Uh, if I were Kyle Dubas, I would not want it. 
Yeah, it feels like he's a perfect candidate that kind of fell right into their lap because they're looking at scraps right now. Like, that's what I don't get when people are on Twitter talking about Kyle Dubas and kind of nitpicking him and being like, well, I don't want him for this. I what don't want him for that. What did he ever win? Exactly. Like, where do you get off that you think you can nitpick at this point? Like, you got to get whatever scraps are available. They're a lot closer to beggars than choosers. Absolutely. And there's just not much available. Right. So, I mean, if you want to argue that Matthew Darsh, the Tampa assistant GM, is a better choice, I would listen to you. But Fenway Sports Group, you look at their other teams, whether it's Boston Red Sox or Liverpool FC, they are partial to analytics guys. And they prefer uh, young, dynamic analytics guys. And that fits Kyle Dubas to a T. Now, like I said, if I were him, I wouldn't want the job. I I just think it's too old a team, eight no movement causes, the coach has more power. There's so many reasons you shouldn't want the job. And stir this in, Ottawa's going to get new ownership, I would think that the new owner would want his own GM, and uh, Pierre Dorian would be out, and Dubas, if I'm not mistaken, grew up an Ottawa fan. So I, I think that's the direction that he'd want to go in and might wait for. And you probably want to much rather get your hands on that organization right now because they have a Kachuk, and that's pretty much what you need to win right now. So Kachuk, good, Kachuk. Yeah, whatever. So that's a good start for him already in Ottawa. You're right. Like If he looks around the landscape right now, there's a lot more attractive spots than Pittsburgh that he can land in. He said that, and this was before he got fired, if he did not return to Toronto, he would take a year off and kind of sit in Toronto. Do you buy that now? No, no. He said that so he wouldn't have to answer a million questions about other possibilities. He said that in an open press setting. Not one-on-one, but with a bunch of people with tape recorders sitting there. So, I mean, he might have meant it, but I, I don't think it's written in stone. Another thing, too, is he comes to Pittsburgh, he doesn't get to pick his own coach. And uh, like I said, the coach is going to have more power yeah. than him, too. Right, because Sullivan's not going anywhere. You don't think he could trade him to the Rangers as Dubas's first move? <laughs> I don't think he would be permitted to, no. But I, that, that would be a move I'd consider because, as I've said repeatedly, Tom, they're going to keep Sullivan. He's going to have too much power because the coach shouldn't be in charge. The GM should right. be in charge. And then after 18 months when the Penguins are fading even more and haven't made the playoffs for two years going on three, they'll fire Sullivan and not get returned. When I saw that the Penguins were granted permission to speak to him, all I thought is, is the meeting going to look like the scene in Moneyball with Brad Pitt's character and John Henry's character? Like, is he going to take him to Fenway Park and slide across the post-it note across the table and have him look at it without anybody knowing what it says? Should take him to Anfield. (laughs) Maybe he'll ride him up the incline or something. Look at this view on Mount Washington, huh? Yeah, This could all be yours. I I am not counting on him taking it. Yeah. Uh, because I think he would see himself as following in the footsteps of Theo Epstein with Fenway Sports Group. I, I think there's a way to romanticize this job, even though it sucks. Yeah, and you could always just make him an offer that's overwhelming. And you said FSG has been known to do that when it comes to the front office, right? They spend on management, yes. They spend on management, so they could overspend. And you just said about the power dynamic with Sullivan, that would be such a hard hurdle to overcome, but you could at least give him not only GM, but president of hockey operations as well, right? And just give him an all-encompassing well, thing now that that's he never the had top. in Toronto. Elliot Friedman from Canada, who's mostly wrong, but he thinks it might just be one guy with the second person being a detail person. Okay. Kind of just like a guy that he can bounce things off of. In other words, like no or... balance of power. Because the balance of power will be the GM and the coach. Right. So, you know, maybe maybe that's a good way to... I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I have never felt more in the dark about what I think they might do. And what do you think... Like you said, Dubas coming in, it would be hard for him to be Sullivan's boss. Isn't that kind of anybody that's out there right now? Like if Darch came in, he would have trouble being Sullivan's boss. 
Yes. There's no one out there right now that can come in and really take the reins. There's no one out there that they would allow to come in and totally take the reins. I'm surprised that you didn't want to start the podcast off talking about what Ben said about Kenny. Saying that he wanted him to fail. With Kenny giggling in the background. Do you want whoever replaces you to fail miserably yes. in the first couple of weeks? Absolutely. I want the ratings to go to hell. No question <laughs> like about a that. zero in the next book. Yes, like exactly. shockingly bad. Every single person has stopped <laughs> listening. Um, you know, I, I think Ben was verbalizing what most people think in a situation like that. I don't think he should be uh, castigated for it, do you? No, not at all. I think Ben has been refreshingly honest in his post-career. I mean, he made big news on your show. He's made news on the football and podcast. And I like that he's not being vanilla. You know what I mean? Like, he's given well, us he stuff that he never really was tell. vanilla. That's true. Now the reins are completely off. He said some stuff on DVE. When he played and on when he did that show at the B team with Ron right. Cook that that got him heat, uh, but uh, but you know I I just marvel at how Kenny's had this totally easy and friendly off season of media. Yeah, that was like the most uncomfortable moment he probably had to go through, right? Ben, at the very beginning, just being like, I was really He was literally giggling. I wanted you to fail, <laughs> but Ben sugarcoated it like a professional at the very end. Right. And saying stuff like how you earned my respect and yada, yada, yada. And big drives, Mark. He brought up the big drives. Well, we've narrowed down Kenny Pickett's rather underwhelming rookie season to two big drives. I don't know why Ben would be any different. The other quote that's going around from that interview that I love is when Ben asked him on fourth and goal, would you rather run it in or throw it in? And Kenny said, roll me out. I could do it both ways, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, great. Bro radio. (laughs) Bro radio, yeah! All right, let's get to five guys. Today's five guys are SNL characters that became movies. And and mostly not to any good end. No, it's very top-heavy. By the way, do you want Succession? I don't. I I thought about bouncing that off you at the The, end, though. Last night was the penultimate. We're we're taping this on the Monday this week. Last night was the penultimate, the second-last episode of Succession. It felt like groundbreaking TV. Do you think that will be the best episode when it's all said and done? And this one, I don't want to say this finale will fall flat, but it will not be as good Very as this Very rarely is the one. last episode of any show the best one. And the second one often is, right? They kind of have that big buildup before they can kind of wrap things together. The, the best last episode I can recall off the top of my head, well, the worst was Seinfeld. The best was Breaking Bad. Okay. But... The, the penultimate and, and third last episodes were even better. For Breaking Bad, yeah, the build-up to They it. were unbelievable. Right, and that's what I mean. Like, I don't think Succession, and I'm an outsider, so I can't criticize it, but I don't think they would end on a dud. Like I know like Seinfeld, you said Game of Thrones was a famous one that ended on a dud that I never watched, but I bet it'll be a great finale. I just wonder if the build-up to it will be viewed as better in hindsight. Well, they've got the kids on the back foot where it all, looks like they're all going to get screwed. Okay. So, but, Is that how it should be, do you think? Well, you know, Greg's the imbecile, you know, and, and Tom's his, you know, boss, but only marginally less of an imbecile. I hope somehow they end they up in charge. through the cracks Yes, somehow. I hope they end up in charge. No question. It would be great. Be a good way to wrap things up. All right, so five guys today, SNL characters. Number five, I have Leon Phelps, the ladies' man. Did you ever watch the ladies' man? The movie? Yeah. God, no. It's not I terrible. barely made it through the sketches. That's Tim Meadows, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the sketches. The movie's not terrible. It does the thing that it's SNL movies struggle the most with where it actually kind of has a plot that they can dance around with for an hour and 30 minutes. Like, they expand it well, a little bit. Well, with all of those, you're taking a three-minute skit and making it you into have a 90-minute movie. Exactly. It's a radio movie, too, so that's why I thought you might have watched it a little bit. Because the plot is he gets fired from his station for saying too many crude things. So then he bounces around trying to Sounds find a new job. Sounds vaguely familiar. 
But then he gets a love letter from his old flame, and he searches them out, and yada, yada, yada. Will Ferrell's in it, though, as the heel. It's of great. course he is. Yeah, of course. Number four. Will Ferrell is best in smaller roles, supporting roles, cameos even. No question. Number four, Beldar Conehead from the Coneheads. I never saw the Coneheads, but I had to put it on the list. Yeah, it, it was, uh, like all these, I'm sure, these characters made into movies, it's a one-note joke. But it was pretty good. As far as the movie was concerned? Well, the sketches were better. Right. I, to be honest, I don't even remember the plot of the movie. I remember, you know, a lot about the sketches. Right. But And that's why I had to include it on here, because I think it's one of the more famous sketches as far as the ones that blew up into movies. I like, there was one where, was it Chris Farley? Chris Farley came to I date I think Chris the, Farley's in the movie, yeah. Date, no, I think that's the movie. He was dating yeah. the daughter of the Coneheads. Right, right. Chris Farley, that's the best part, too, about the SNL movies, is the cameos that they weave in from guys like Chris Farley, from guys like Will Ferrell and stuff like that. And they can pull from the cast. Well, that's like Norm MacDonald right. uh, with his movie. What was that called? Uh, Dirty Work. Is it on your list? It's not, it's oh, no, not an SNL not, movie. It wasn't yeah, a skit, no, yeah. No, no, no. But Chris Farley in there was great. Oh, my God. Is the guy You're the little... Saigon whore who took my nose! It's also great where he's like, you can stay at my house anytime. And he's like, can I tonight? And he's like, here's the thing, buddy. You can't do it tonight. <laughs> All right, number three, the Butabi brothers, Doug and Steve, A Night at the Roxbury. Oh, uh, yeah, although, okay, I love that skit. Yeah. It was a desperate stretch to make it into a movie. I thought they did a decent job, though. Their pursuit to own a nightclub and to prove their dad that they weren't imbeciles. I don't know. I thought, I thought, the Cone, I thought it made the Coneheads movie look like Gone with the Wind. I also loved the end scene when he was going to marry Molly Shannon's character. Will Ferrell's character, and they kind of play off that John Cusack movie where he holds up the boombox and plays What Is Love, and they start doing the head bop thing, and then they run to each other. Well, that that is, uh, so many movies now do callbacks to other movies. Right. You, you know, and it, it's lazy, and it's disgusting, and sometimes it's really funny. In that case, I think it was pretty funny. All right, these top two, I think, are the holy grail. These are actually good movies. Number two, Wayne Campbell. And Garth Algar, probably, into Wayne's World. First one, really good. Really good movie. Really good. Second one, not as good. It was the same movie. I, I mean, Christopher Walken just played Rob Lowe. And you know what I mean? It was like a do-over. If you were putting all of the SNL movies in a pot, though, I would probably put that as my number three, Wayne's World 2, as far as like movie that I enjoyed the most. It was better than the ones we've talked about than now. For sure. And, and also, Aerosmith showing up at the end. Yeah, the and doing, and doing maybe their most underrated song ever, Shut Up and Dance. And Alice Cooper giving them the educational trip of Milwaukee. 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 I pronounce Milwaukee that way on my show on every single reference. It's just so great how the band member like chimes in with something and he's like, that's right, Jason. Very good. Like, speaking, of, on the head. <laughs> speaking of callbacks, Wayne's World 2 yeah. is the end of The Graduate. Oh, very good. Yeah, that's right. And also... And they bring in Charlton Heston for the cameo. Charlton Heston. He Maybe I have underestimated Wayne's World 2. It's, it's not bad, but Wayne's World 1 is a legit Can we get movie. another actor? Cameos. Ed O'Neill. Al Bundy as Stan Makita, the manager. No, no, he was he, he was the manager, manager of Makita's. Stan Makita's donut shop. The, the, the real Stan Makita, the Blackhawk superstar, was in the background on one, the of, the shots, yeah. one of the shots. Yeah, but he's the manager, and they do that one shot of him talking about killing the man. Right, and then Wayne Wayne just whoa, hey, come on, follow me now. What a great cameo. Yeah, uh, yeah, the way they 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 broke the fourth wall in those movies, and it was actually funny. Usually that fails miserably. Yes, but it was actually funny. And number one, I'm sure you could guess, Jake and Elwood Blues, the Blues Brothers. You know what? It is the best, the best movie they've of, ever of, made of these uh, of these sad SNL sketch extensions. Yes, I'm not the biggest fan. Don't like that movie, really. No, I, I don't. I don't dislike right. it, but it's not a movie I watch over and over again. It's not Animal House. It's not Caddyshack. 
it, it just, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't hate it. When you tell people that, are they surprised? Yes. Because it's very. so musical and, and so many cameos. I don't, I don't, and I can't put my finger on why either. Like, if you bring up the scenes, I'll probably say I liked every scene. Right, like Carrie Fisher is the crazy girlfriend yeah. who hasn't pinned down in the yeah. alleyway. And I mean, he, like, it, sweet talks her. It's all good. It's like, I, I don't know, like, I like the Doug Kenny National Lampoon movies, which preceded. Yeah. Because they just had a cynic sense to it. And I'm not sure any of the ones we've talked about did. I, I You know, like, like, I like get you. Animal House was and Caddyshack were such social commentaries. The ones we're talking about are just movies. Yeah, that's true. With the Blues Brothers, though, would you consider that a musical, or would you just consider that a movie with music around it? Um, the only reason I ask that question is because they do break out into choreographed dances sometimes throughout the scene. Well, they did that in their uh, in their stage act too, right? Exactly. So, like, but they brought that in the movies, like when they're in the church and Jesse Jackson is up there saying, "I would say no, but you could make a logical argument, yes." Yeah, I, I think so too, because. It just and again, there's no original songs, right? Like they're all riffing off, they're covering songs. And, and, and it is, it is by far the best movie extension of the SNL skits. Yeah, I think no question about that. Although we're forgetting one, we're forgetting one. MacGruber was one that I thought about. Terrible, just terrible. I like Will Forte though. Wait, the the, the Chris Farley David Spade movies weren't extensions. They weren't of skits, extensions. Were they? Of skits. Like, like Tommy Boy wasn't nope, okay. Black Sheep, not a skit. Tommy Boy like was that. great. Yeah, that's I mean, just a, fabulous. That might be a lazy way to do another Five Guys. It's just like movies that start SNL duos or something like that. And Black Sheep wasn't great. Although it did feature Otter from Animal House. In the NHL playoffs, both teams down 0-2. Who do you think has a better chance to come back and win? Carolina. Carolina? Yeah. Do you think it'll happen? Actually, now that I said it out loud... It's funny you say that too because you've been riding Dallas a long time. I keep I keep waiting for Jason Robertson to do something. You know what's fu- you know what's funny? He has a point a game. He's over a point a game, and it just seems like he's doing nothing. The quietest point per game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ottinger's just been shaky. He's never been able yeah. to really capture it. Both games though, or all games in the series have been just incredible hockey games. All of them going to overtime, but it sucks that they're in a two zero hole now, and you worry that these games are going to be great, but it's just going to be four games and it's over. Well, that's the thing though. These four overtime games, like I said, every game in the conference finals has been overtime. They've not been good games. No, you don't think so? They've just been ratty, you know, play between the blue lines, just crappy, wait for it to be over games. Yeah, and Carolina and Florida had to just be like, you got to be kidding me, right? When the third period ended as a tie in game two and they had to go back to the locker room, they were like, somebody just end this game. Damn well, it. Well, like, like I talked about on my show, I, I think there should be – some way of cutting overtime off at some point. Yeah, it's so tricky though, right? For the playoffs with how much stakes are involved. Like, cause just going to a shootout just feels weird. But you can't play forever. Although they decide the biggest tournament in the world by a shootout if it gets to it, the World Cup. If it gets to that point, they go to penalties. Well, soccer is really a game you can't play forever. Yeah, exactly. They'd be gassed. I mean, yeah. they're just running constantly for 90 minutes. So. Yeah. But if the biggest tournament in the world, I guess, can kind of swallow their pride at the end and just be like, we got to end this thing, then the Stanley Cup playoff should, you know, swallow theirs and say, maybe we do go to a shootout after two overtimes. I think two overtimes is what you have to do, though. Don't get me started on soccer. Manchester City are trying to hijack Liverpool's move for Alexis McAllister, the Argentine midfielder. You had a great weekend, though, for Liverpool, right? Well, no, they tied. But Firmino scored. But, I mean, come on. As far as a fan. Firmino scored his last game, and I bet on it. Yeah, exactly. I I had a ticket for him to score. So, yeah. Well, no, I mean, we would still be mathematically alive for Champions Mm. League had we won. But it it, it 
wasn't looking good. I yeah. think you're still mathematically alive as we sit here today. Yeah, I think United has to lose both and right. we have to win. So it doesn't look good right now. But that's the beauty of being a fan, right? Like this year is a shot, but you get that great memory at the end. The only thing that I'm upset about is like whenever you're not in Europe, it costs you chance to get players. I that's the one criticism. Play champions next the year. one criticism, which is dumb because if you want to play Champions League, go play for the second place team from Portugal. Because they're in <laughs> they're in every year. You know what I mean? Every single year, like whether it's Sporting Lisbon or whoever or Porto, but they don't have a chance. Yeah, I don't think actually Porto did win it like a million years ago, but I don't think Liverpool will be down for too long if they wanted to just, you know, sit in Europa League for a little we'll bit. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, to the Pirates, though. But yeah, Bobby, Bobby scoring. I mean, I cried. No, no, no question. No question about it. Was it. Awesome. And you want some money, so that's perfect. The Pirates. Do you think Derek Shelton's a bad manager? I brought that up on this podcast, I think, a couple of episodes ago, and he just got that extension. And then we kind of, I think, started to you know, look at him with a little bit more of a magnifying glass because they were relevant again. And he just makes terrible decisions, like on Saturday, taking out Mitch Keller on 84 pitches. Well, okay. First off, a lot of that depends on what your your ambition for the team is. What your realistic expectations are. Winning the World Series. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. What okay. are you talking about? Well, okay. If you think you can make a playoff spot, uh, then they should leave him in. Here's why I keep But if think- he thought he looked bad, you yeah, know what I mean? I then, guess you're I right. mean, you know, it's the same thing with the... Everybody wants to talk about calling the catchers up. <laughs> it just wouldn't... It, it, it could... It's one of those moves, Tom. Like, okay, leaving Keller in wouldn't hurt anything. Exactly, okay. and that's my point. Okay, calling the catchers up could hurt. Could them. be counterproductive yeah. to the catchers. No question, it could damage them forever. Well, uh, not forever, because I like to think that good prospects are made of sterner stuff than that. But you can throw them in those if, waters. If, if and, you're not ready, you're not ready. Yeah, and so I don't know. I don't understand the rush for them to be ready for sure. But with Mitch Keller pitching, like you said, this season, you know, realistically, what are you going to do? Try to get past 500 by a couple of games. That's probably your ceiling right now. But. Don't you want your ace moving forward to work out of some jams, to get through some tough starts, yeah, to give I, you a tough I seven would, innings? Like, 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 one thing funny that Shelton said was he looked he looked uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable, like, because there was no physical problem. but right. like he just he, wasn't he, his usual self. And he was pitching poorly out of the stretch. Okay, well, let him start the seventh. He's not in the stretch then. Right, exactly, and he's your best option to start the seventh. He's how, your how best about, pitcher how, other than Bender. How, how about who came in? Uh, oh man, his name's Stevenson, I think. Yeah, some job Chandler guy. Stevenson or he whatever. came in and, and like they were head three two. They were behind four three after like seven pitches. <laughs> it just happened so fast. Two batters, bam, home run. Bednar's been sitting on his ass for like two weeks. Just throw him out there to pitch three straight innings. He probably could do it. Not three straight you know, innings. Why not? No. His arm's been rested enough. You know what I you know what I would do in a situation like that? I wouldn't be adverse to him pitching the seventh or eighth. Well, I, I always think that closer is really the most overrated position in baseball because why would you use your closer, your best pitcher, against like seven, eight, nine in the order? No question. When like four, five, six is up, three, four, they, five they, is up in the it, eighth it inning. It should be according to situation, not Once inning. Once you get to the seventh inning, like, absolutely. If, 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 if you're ahead by a run and three, four, five's coming up for the other team in the eighth, you gotta your shut closer that down. should pitch the eighth. No question. No and question then about if your that. closer gets through the eighth, you know, in 10, 11 pitches, maybe you throw him out there and see if he can yeah. go for a little bit in the ninth. It so. is amazing to me that a sport that has become so mercilessly analytical that there are gaps in logic like the one we're discussing. Well, there's no gaps in logic as far as pizza toppings are concerned. That's our good cop, bad cop. Good cop, pepperoni. I, I think pepperoni is <laughs> just the gold standard, and it's pretty much anytime I get a pizza, I got to have at least some pepperoni on. Well, my favorite is sausage, as per the pizza I designed for uh, Caliente, the triple sausage thing. R.I.P. Temporarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Well, they'll bring it back, I hope. They got one where they crunched Doritos. Like, it's. I, I, bet, I bet it's great. I bet it is, too. That's, one, get, of those, that's one of those ones that sounds bad, but I bet it's great. You get out by it until you actually try it. Yeah. Did you ever have the Doritos Locos taco from Taco Bell? Yes, it was great. 
that's the same thing, right? You're I thought like, it would what suck. The and it was hell great. Is this, and then you just keep wanting more. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, pepperoni is the safest. Put it that way. No it, question. It is a perfectly logical good cop. I don't know anybody that doesn't like pepperoni on pizza that would like turn down a slice of pepperoni. Yeah, neither do I. Unless you just don't eat meat, I think that would be the only chance that you. would I like, like pepperoni. It. Like I, I buy pizza pepperoni, like sliced, and just eat it. Just straight out of the package. Yeah, really. Yeah, interesting. I'm not like that. I need. To have I have some pepperoni sandwiches. On pepperoni something. sandwiches. Too. I do like it on some bread. I'll put it on some bread and on a sandwich too. I like to make a pizza bagel too. Just have a bagel sliced in half, little pizza sauce, little pep and cheese. It, it, it the bagel, the bagel can be too hard though, and that it Sometimes. depends on the kind of bagel. Absolutely. Like, if you get the five cheese bagel from Brugger's, which is soft, that's a good call there. Yeah, I should actually do that. There you go. That's a pretty good idea. And then my bad cop, I think, is the universal bad cop. Anchovies. Anchovies. Look at that. We said it together. Yeah, although, I'll I'll tell you this, though. Anchovies on a Caesar salad. You like that? It's tremendous. Well, we're talking pizza here, not Caesar salad. Well, here's the thing. I don't, like, anchovies on pizza, I, I don't prefer it, but, like, sometimes that salty texture and taste it adds. It's just different enough. In other words, I would never eat it regularly. I would eat it by accident. Okay, I get what you mean. And then you would like it on accident, too. Like yeah. My, my way was that was like Brussels sprouts. I always thought Brussels sprouts would They're be great. just awful. They're great. Right? But as a kid, you're like, this looks like the worst thing you could ever feed me. So I put them off, put them off, put them off. And then not like it happened to you. I think I had them on like a plate with like steak or something and had it by accident when you're shoveling it in. And you get that flavor like... Hold on a second. There's, what there's, is that? There's, there's there's one way of making it called Montreal style. Brussels sprouts. Yeah, and and I don't know what they do to, but like it caramelizes a little bit on the edges of the sprout. Ooh. That's really good. Now a popular bad cop for people, I think, would be uh, pineapple too. But I actually kind of like pineapple. I don't even pizza. consider pineapple part of the the concept of pizza toppings. Really, you wouldn't yeah. even put it in the no, conversation I, like, here. Like if I if I eat a slice of anchovy pizza. By accident, I will finish the slice. For one thing, you can't eat pineapple by accident because it's too visible. But I, I, it's not something that should be on pizza. Okay, interesting. See, like a pineapple and ham, and Caliente does like a nice pineapple ham pizza. Unbelievable. Not I, the biggest ham fan. Either. I like the sweet kind of you know flavor that the pineapple brings to it. It's good. Boo, I like it. boo, boo! Pineapple. That's what Greg on Succession <laughs> would say. Boo. By the time we do this podcast next week, do you think the Pirates will be under five hundred? Um, We're two games over right now as we sit here on Monday. And they got the Rangers in town, and then they got to go to the West Coast, the Mariners. What are they now, 24 and 22? 24 and 22, yeah. And Mitch Keller, I believe, can only pitch one of those games in that stretch. I bet they're still a game over at this time next week. See, and this is kind of where, and they're kind of getting to that point now where you thought they could do throughout all of May where they just kind of slowly spin their tires. But it sucks that the engine just blew out for two straight weeks before they got to this point where they kind of just puddle around at four and six in their last ten games or something like that. By the way, you have to watch Succession. I have, I have to quote this line. Uh, there's a scene, because the, the network, the the uh, the Fox News knockoff, the pretend network, ATN, Okay, uh, that <laughs> the, 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 the Roy family owns, right? There were there were there were absentee ballots burned in Wisconsin that gave the Trump uh, guy, you know, the the guy who's supposed to be Trump, the election. And instead of saying let's wait for, you know, to see what happens with these absentee ballots, they declared him the winner in Wisconsin, and that put him over the top for electoral votes. They, in other words, they just they <laughs> made it so he won, and they had to take it back. You know what I mean? Which is hard to do. So right. they did him a big favor. And so um, Kendall Roy 
the uh, the heir to to Logan, you know, the Brian Cox character that died, he's talking to the president elect, who's like they're talking about the relationship between ATN and the new president, and the new president's kind of blowing him off. He's kind of like going heel on him, and he's being so Trump esque. You know what I mean? Like turning on him. Like yeah, we yeah. helped you this whole way, and now that you won, you're not with us anymore. Like like there there's a, there was a there like. They're trying to block the sale by the board to another to a to an outside investor, and uh, they want the president to block it because it's a foreign, you know. And, and and he goes, "Well, I'll try to help." And and uh, and Kendall goes, "Try to help." And right then, the aforementioned Gregory Hirsch, he just butts in and goes, "Mr. President, Gregory Hirsch from ATN," and shakes his hand. And it, it was it was like it was like like you didn't know whether to laugh or cringe. It was just so unbelievable. Uh, it best, was just, the best television is the cringe yeah. comedy stuff like yeah, that. He, he, Worst he, timing ever. He is arguably one of my top five favorite characters in TV history. All right, well, then a more important question to wrap up than if the Pirates will be over 500 this time next week. Who do you think is going to actually get the – who's going to win succession, basically? Because I know you want Greg to win, but who do you think is going to win? I want Greg and Tom to win. I'm not counting out that the company gets sold out from under the kids. And they all lose. But but Tom gets retained as the ATN, like, president. Okay. You know what I mean? Because him and Shiv, the, the, the daughter, are on the outs, although she's pregnant. With his child. Yes. Okay. Here's how here's how here's how bad that show gets, Tom. Shiv Shiv hid the pregnancy from Tom for a while because they're separated. And then she tells him and then the next uh, she told him last show. And he she he accused her of lying right away. And then this show, she's drinking champagne in front of him, which she shouldn't to like taunt him. Why is she drinking champagne in front of him? Like I don't know, I'm damaging your baby. I don't know. Terrible person. I mean, oh, everyone here so is terrible. No redeeming qualities. Except for Greg, who's just stupid. Greg has redeeming qualities because no, he's no, such he's an idiot. just stupid. That can make you have redeeming qualities. Being a lovable idiot. Oh, I I've heard other talk radio shows, Tom. Believe me. Um, well, that about wraps it up. Uh, we've talked too much succession, but you can never talk enough succession. We either are mispronouncing or correctly pronouncing against the grain Matthew Kachuk's name and uh, pizza with pepperoni. You can't beat it. It's the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.